We are so unique, even from our eye patterns and our fingerprints and our hair and all the things that they can use to identify people is unique, right? Everything about you is unique, including your combination of strengths and talents and gifts, all the things that make you you, your experiences, your perspective, your values, and it all makes you you. Nobody else can be you. And so whatever it is that's that, you know, whatever it is that makes you, you is a great treasure and it's a gift and you're amazing. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on in again. It's that time again where we're going to fire you up. We're going to motivate you, inspire you, provide some encouragement and hope to let you know when you're dealing with some type of tragedy that life is still worth living for you to push through, dominate everything that's going on, and use all your information that you have learned, experienced to help someone else in the future as well. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming in on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Today, our guest, man, her story. I can't wait to get into this one now. That <laughs> she was drugged and raped in college, was sex tra- trafficked in her 20s, and had a six-year-long, and I say long, abusive marriage. All right. She woke up and got out of all this stuff and everything and used this, this hard lessons to be able to have a better life and to going to help you here in the future. Her mission is to help women see how amazing they truly are and know that their voice is powerful. Her passion about empowering women to share the false narratives that hold them back and stepping into the center stage of their own life and be the star of their own show. And today, she's going to be talking about a pre-launch of her book coming, pre-launching. Tomorrow, she says, a pre-launch. Take center stage, be the star of your own story. Welcome to the show, author Janelle Anderson. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for coming yeah. in. And again, uh, I say this, you know, we know people's times are valuable and thank you for sharing your valuable time. And again, with all this stuff, they say this stuff gets on the internet, it's going to be here forever. And so uh, just think 100 years from now, whatever stuff we call in 100 years, someone's going to stumble across and you're going to help them. Yes, that's what I love about podcasts. They live forever. <laughs> there we go. And yes, you are a podcast host. I saw that... Um, yeah. Yours, I forgot the name of it though. Women emerging fearlessly. There we go. I said, I did see that on your website uh, a few minutes ago. All right, Janelle. Well, again, thanks for being here. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. And um, let's, uh, you know, it's your platform here today. And so you start where you think you need to. Okay. Well, I'll just start with the story that you referenced uh, because that's. That's my story of uh, tragedy and um, overcoming it. So uh, when I 
actually before I was 19, I had, I was madly in love with this guy. I was 16 years old. He was drafted into the army during the Vietnam war and was killed not in war, but actually in an accident. And that threw me into this place of just uh, eating my emotions. Cause I didn't know how to handle the grief. And, um, Two years later, I went off to college and I was overweight and I felt very insecure. And um, I I was already a very timid person. I didn't feel like anybody ever wanted to listen to me. I grew up in a big family. So I was already not very confident. And then I added on this extra weight, felt even worse about myself. And I go off to college and one night went out with my girlfriend, my, my roommate to hang out at this local college bar. And I remember playing foosball and hanging out and talking to some guys. And then everything is blank after that, except when I woke up in my bed in the middle of the night, I think, um, and this guy's on top of me. And I, I just remember not knowing what was going on and feeling like I couldn't move and I couldn't say anything. And then I blacked out again. And when I woke up in the morning, I realized you know, I saw blood on the sheets. And the first thought that hit me was, oh, my gosh, I've lost my virginity in a one night stand with some guy I don't know. How did I let this happen? Mm-hmm. So I immediately went to blaming myself. I must be worthless. I must be just a piece of trash. I never thought of it as a rape. In fact, I didn't realize I had been drugged and raped until 30 years later when I finally started to unpack all this stuff. So for all those years. It was just something that I did. I messed up. And so I stuffed it away, didn't tell anyone, didn't think about it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. And then that event, which is very common for people that have been sexually attacked uh, and are, you know, tr- suffering from trauma, it kind of puts you in this trauma fog, they call it. So I was not able to process all of that. And I had this desperate need for validation that I was worthy of love. And so that really actually led me into lots of relationships that just produced the same thing where men were exploiting me and taking advantage of me. And then four years later, I meet this guy. I just graduated college, barely graduated college. I barely got through it because I was still, you know, in this trauma state, not realizing it meet this guy and he decides, let's go to California. So we leave Colorado to go to California. And on the way, he's like, well, let's stop in Las Vegas for a bit. And so we did. And about a month later, we needed jobs because here we were still there and we didn't have any money. And so he asked me one day if I loved him. Uh Oh, (laughs) and I was like, well, yeah. And then he said, well, you could make a lot of money you shouldn't work a day job with making just a minimum wage. Look how beautiful you are. And he started to like prime me and groom me and like put these um, ideas in my head and finally just asked me, would I, would I go out and make money as a prostitute? We called it working girls in in that time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do it, but he just kept after me and I felt so alone and desperate to please him. And I finally agreed to it. And I'll never forget the first day, just sitting on a bar stool in a casino in the middle of the afternoon, all dressed up inside, feeling like I wanted to throw up, but he was standing there at the door watching me to make sure that I followed through. 
And this older man comes and sits down and asks me if I'm working. And everything inside of me was screaming, no, no, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I felt trapped, you know, and I just, yeah. I just said yes. And then that started a three-year period of time where it was just night after night, hundreds and hundreds of men. And the shame piled on top of me just, it really shut me down. And I really was disconnected from myself and was, I would just disassociate all the time and use drugs and that kind of stuff. Well, finally at the age of 26, after three years of this, and I thought I would never get out of it. And I thought, how am I ever going to teach school? Which is what I always wanted to do. How will I ever, you know, find a good job? I can't put this on my resume, you know? That's right. That's right. And so one night we had a horrible fight and he wasn't usually physically violent, but that night he had me down on the floor and he was choking me. And I thought, I thought he was going to kill me because he looked so enraged and he didn't look like he was even there anymore. You know, it looked like a demon or something. And then he decided he, I guess he just came to his senses and he stopped and he ran out the apartment. Well, I called my mom in desperation and just uh, weeping and and sobbing. And I'm sure I sounded like a mess. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what she thought, but it was the middle of the night for her. And she just said, you know, I just feel like God wants you to come home to him or Jesus wants you to come home to him and have peace. And I just felt so drawn to the words peace and home. I remember them just like, ah, you know, pulling me like, I need that so bad. I want that. I want out of here. And so I prayed with her this prayer. She told me later she couldn't believe I was praying it (laughs) because I was so hardened and um, she just couldn't believe I was actually praying. So after the prayer, I remember this amazing presence just coming really, I could feel it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, like this presence of peace. It was, it just filled me. And I instantly knew that I wasn't going to go back out on the streets. I knew I had all of a sudden this strength to stand up to him. And it was just like night and day. And he came home that later that night and could tell something had changed. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. And he tried everything he could. He pulled every trick out of his little bag and I, I wouldn't do it. And so a month later, I finally got out of Las Vegas, moved back home to Virginia, started a new life, but I still never told anyone. So I had from the time I was 19 till 26, all those years and all the stuff that had happened that I'd never processed and stuffed away and tried to forget. And I thought, well, if I just don't think about it or talk about it, it won't affect me. I can just go on and live my life but I was wrong. (laughs) Oh, yes. And uh, so for the next 30 years, I just was living this kind of outside of myself kind of life. I always, I always talk about it like living on the front porch of my house and because I didn't want people to see what was inside because it was a mess. (laughs) So I never could get really, really close with people. Anytime somebody asked me for my story, I couldn't tell it. So I felt like I was just you know, a shell of a person and not connected to me. And I, I couldn't feel emotions and I just sort of lived. It looked like I was normal. Nobody would have known, but inside um, there was definitely a disconnect. And I always played small. I wasn't confident. I didn't go after my dreams. I didn't feel like I could do anything 
you know, I just had that very low opinion of myself, you know, that worthlessness was still there. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, love can get us to do strange things, Yeah, especially when we had the low confidence, low Mm self-esteem and and looking for this fulfillment and and in the wrong area and and not knowing exactly. Yeah, Yeah. strange, uh, love can get us to do strange things. Oh yeah. In life. Yes. In life. Yeah. So especially um, when, when you are desperate to be loved and accepted, you'll do just about anything. And when you're in the middle of something like that, you don't see it for what it is. It seems like that's normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember being shocked when I, when I finally started unpacking this, that I had been a trauma victim. I'd never considered that I was, I never considered myself a, a sexual assault victim or a trauma survivor or anything. I just thought, well, I just let this stuff happen. It was my fault, you know? And on top of that, I did end up marrying the guy a year after leaving Las Vegas. I married him because I didn't the think same, it, the it, same it, guy that took you to Las Vegas. Yeah. And then had you mm-hmm. working girl prostitute and yes. end up marrying the same guy. Okay. The same guy because The whole time I was living with my parents after we came back to Virginia, he went up to Pennsylvania and he was in touch with me. And so, so I still had this tie to him, you know, and still was kind of under that control because he was very controlling and very manipulative. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to marry me. And I thought, well, how, who else is ever going to want to marry me after what I've done? So if I ever want to get married, I might as well just marry him. I remember thinking that. And my mom tried to talk me out of it, but I just sort of yeah, was yeah. still, yeah. So well, I ended up that, living getting, in another... that low self-esteem, low, com- yeah. low confidence <laughs> in yourself. And again, like you said, if another man knew that I've been with hundreds of other men, mm-hmm. they're not going to have anything to do with me. Exactly. But this guy, he put me into this position. He knows everything. So I might as well stick with him because that's as good as I'm going to get. Exactly. Yep. You nailed it. Yep. Okay. Exactly where I was. Okay. So, but I remember on my wedding night realizing I'd made a terrible mistake. It was the most horrible feeling ever to have a, to go through a wedding. And then that night you're supposed to be a wonderful night. Right. And I remember having this horrible sinking feeling like, Oh no, what have I done now? I'm married to him. I'm stuck. And it was just now it was I'm really trapped feeling. Yeah. Now I'm really trapped. And what have yeah. I done? And I don't love him. I don't want to be with him. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. So the gaslighting and the manipulation and the emotional control and everything continued for uh, the next six, six and a half years that we were married. He ended up cheating on me and I left for a while. My, we had a daughter in the middle of all that. And then I ended up going back to him again. And then finally he packed his bags and left one, one night in the middle of the night after he drained our savings account, left me and our daughter who was three at the time all alone and just took off. And I knew then that, that, that it was over and I was done. And I had, I had built up enough. um, I had been, you know, a Christian then by then for several years and I had, I had been praying and built up enough, um, self-esteem and self-confidence to mm-hmm. know that I didn't have to stay in this marriage. I could go. I could get out of it. You're, wake, you're waking up through all this. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and, so. and learning who you really are, how strong <laughs> mm-hmm. you really are. Exactly. Okay? Now mm-hmm. I gotta ask this question. Now this this is uh I just uh, this question has come to me. Mm-hmm. He's the one that got you into the prostitution. Right. He married you. Yep. Did he ever throw it back in your face? about all these men that you've been with and not taking accountability that he put you there. Hmm. He never threw it back in my face, okay. but he did. I mean, never... like I said, he's the one to put you there. Right. Right. And he, talk you he... into doing it. I yeah. just wonder, did he go, well, we wouldn't be where we're at today. If you wouldn't mm-hmm. have been with all them men, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I'm just yeah. wondering. Okay. No, okay. what he did do he is he did not, he didn't go that route, but he did not ever take responsibility for putting me in that position. Oh, these, he always these said type of people, they don't take responsibility no. for anything. Yeah. He always no. said, well, I didn't put a gun to your head. So, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All I did suggested you decided to do it. Yes. Yeah. That they, they take no responsibility mm-hmm. for anything. Well, everything was always type. my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It was always yeah there's my nothing fault. you can do right. It, it's no. always, and they're always looking for that wrong thing. I don't, yeah. I don't care. They're looking for it. Oh yeah. And they'll, he used to do the silent treatment. He wouldn't talk to me for days and I had no idea what I'd done wrong. And that's how he controlled the situation. And I would be walking on pins and needles wondering what did I say wrong? And it was usually something very small and would never make a normal person upset, but he used it to control me. And, and he, um, the affair that he had was, was my fault. He blamed that on me, you know, all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then now that you said a miracle came down and took place and he yep. packed this stuff up and left yep. and you hollering hallelujah. Yeah. And now what's I'm happening? Done. That's right. What's, what's going on in your life then? Well, then I come back to Virginia cause that was in Massachusetts and I lived with my parents for a while. Um, I started, getting into music and worship leading and playing piano. And that was just really, really encouraging for me. And my daughter was my, the light of my life, you know, and I really had always wanted to be a teacher and I had gotten my teaching degree, but I hadn't started teaching. So I was able to get a teaching position Mm -hmm. and then, you know, just started living a normal life basically. (laughs) And so I've been, I've been in the same town since, you know, so I was 30, 33 when no 33 yeah when the marriage ended when i was 36 i met my current husband and we we were married and we've been together now for 30 years 31 years and mm-hmm. um he's been wonderful be careful you can tell your age yeah <laughs> that's okay <laughs> I don't mind. he um he he had, he was so wonderful to take this damaged woman <laughs> and he uh-huh. knew, I told him, I told him what had happened, what my history was, but he, and he would have See, to tell that, me. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing I would, th- I would think you should do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist in the area of thinking the mind thing, but I wouldn't think you would want to withhold something like that. No, no. I told Just him. To, I mean, in case somebody ever found out anything through your other hus- ex-husband and right. found, and then no telling what he's told the community. And if it ever yeah. come back, he's going, well, yeah. what about this? <laughs> so yeah, I, I would think yeah. you, you would need to be as open and then that gives him the opportunity to know you better mm-hmm. or I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, he I was, can't handle it. Yeah. So he, he was wonderful. He just, 
love me just the way I was. And oh, often during, also, yeah. often early in our marriage, he would say, you really should talk to a counselor or something to work this stuff out. And I kept saying, no, I don't need to. I don't need to. But he could see that I needed to. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it wasn't until and I was going to, I was, I was going to ask, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, did you seek some counseling? Uh, I was going to say earlier than being remarried. No, I never did. I, I was so ashamed and I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to bring all that stuff back up. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so I just really believed that I could stuff it away, forget about it and act like it never happened. It was kind of like it didn't happen to me. You know, it was like this other person that that happened to. But <clears throat> when I, and I, you know, I lit, I lived a, fairly happy life. We had a ministry and I was in worship ministry and I was teaching school Mm -hmm. and all of that. Nobody would have known. And it wasn't like it was conscious. It was just these embedded like stories. I told myself in these, this past that really stays with you until you process through it. And when I got into my fifties, I started to feel like, you know, I've got to do something. I I don't feel like I'm living my purpose. I feel like, you know, 50 years just went by really fast and I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm called to do. And I I feel like there's more, there's more Mm -hmm. for me, but I was still so timid and not very confident that I, you know, trying to do something, even like getting a master's degree, I would never do because I felt like, Oh, I can't do that. It was always this, you know, story in my head that I can't do that. I'm not good enough to do that. And always just minimizing and diminishing myself and holding myself back. And so I, I remember sitting in church we, with my pastor. We, we, we are the, we, we hold ourselves back more than our outside community saying, you can't do that. Why would you try to do that? You're not going to finish that. You can't be successful. Why would you try that and lose money? You know, you're going to fail. Then, I mean, we may hear that, but again, we make the ultimate decision. Yeah, they're right. Yeah. That's you exactly know, so what we do. We, we kill these dreams and purposes way more than our people around us. And yeah, we've got to stay more confident and uh, over ourselves. I mean, there's nothing wrong knowing your limitations. Right. Uh, you know, I, 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 I couldn't go be a rocket scientist because uh, <laughs> I'm in a wheelchair and doing things. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of things else we can do that we can mm-hmm. help other people. So yeah. yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I just, no, just I mean, you. that's no, that's a perfect uh, point is that we do hold ourselves back. We, say no to ourselves and we worry about, you know, will I be able to do it or I can't do that? Who am I to do that? Who who yeah, am I to think that I could do that? You know, that's right. And then and <clears throat> what, what happens if I fail? Here's, yeah. here's what I here, can't understand is someone go, what happens if I am successful? Because they've mm. never been on that side of success. So I don't know how to handle it. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just stay where I'm at and not rock mm-hmm. the boat than to take that chance. Yes. Oh, that is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, yeah. So basically that's kind of how I was living. And then, like I said, it was, it was my mid fifties. And I remember sitting in church one day and my pastor is giving this, he's teaching us, he uses a whiteboard and he he draws this path, this curvy line on the board and it's your path of destiny. And he puts X's on the path and X's outside the path. And he said, God has a destiny for each one of us. He has something for us to do. He's put it in us. It's our calling. It's our purpose. We have everything we need to do it, but that doesn't mean we'll automatically fulfill it. You could get to the end of your path and look back and realize that you'd never fulfilled it because you chose to get off the path and do something else. 
And that message that day hit me like a lightning bolt. It was like, it was like an alarm clock was going off inside of me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get to the end of my life. Because I was very aware at that point that 50 some years had just gone by like that. And you get into your midlife years like that and you realize how, oh my gosh, it's going really fast. So I, I remember sitting up going, oh my gosh, I've got to do something. I just had this like urgency within me, like it's an emergency. And I decided that day, I am going to figure it out what it is that I am called to do. What is this thing that will light me up and energize me where I can make a difference and make an impact. And I I need to find out now because I want to start doing it, you know, before it's too late and I want to do it for the rest of my life. So I went on a, a discovery journey basically for the next few years, finding that thing. Mm hmm. And what that did was <clears throat> it put me also in this place of realizing that something was still holding me back. And as I was praying about that, <clears throat> I had this a vision in my mind, uh, just a picture of a garden and the outside of the garden was beautiful and cultivated and fruitful. Jesus came in the garden and he's eating the fruit and he's enjoying himself. But then I noticed beyond the garden, it's all dark and overgrown and there's thorns and he goes and picks up some gardening tools and he looks at me like, can I go there and clean that up? And I knew immediately he was talking about my past that I had ignored for 30 years mm -hmm. that he really wanted me to go back and process through that before I could move on into my full purpose. I knew that and I just didn't want to do it. So it took me another whole year before I actually said yes. Yeah. But but once I did, I got the help I needed. Finally, I finally our church has a really great ministry for inner healing. And I finally sat down with counselors and started unpacking all that stuff. And that was when I realized that I had actually been drugged and raped. And it was like a shock because <laughs> I described that night to my counselor and she's like, I described it as the night I lost my virginity. Mm -hmm. And she's like, it sounds like you were drugged and raped. And I was mm -hmm. like, what? Yeah. Like it was a shock. And I go home and I read all the symptoms of, you know, being drugged to the date rape drug. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's exactly how I remember that night. I was drugged and raped. It was this huge revelation. I had packed it away. So, so far deep inside that it never had dawned on me. And so that really changed, started to change how I saw my, my younger self. And I, it enabled me to begin to open up my heart to my younger self. Instead of being ashamed of her, I was able to wrap my arms around her and have compassion and let all the grief and all the um, trauma come out. You know, I just remember laying on the floor, just weeping for that young woman whose youth had been stolen, who had been mm -hmm. so you know mistreated. And I had never done that before. And it enabled me to see my past in a whole different light and to be able to talk about it without the shame anymore. And that just changed everything. <laughs> and <clears throat> I began to share my story. And I also discovered that coaching was something I really was good at and wanted to do. So I, I went at the age of 61, I started coach training and started my business. <clears throat> and um, along with that came speaking and started my podcast and I just started sharing, you know, my story. And I started sharing how, as I began to uncover the real me and, and remove all of the shame 
that had covered my my life as I processed through all of that, a confidence began to grow inside of me. And I began to speak up and I began to have this uh, bravery, I guess, or this courage to try new things and to step out there and to fulfill my purpose no matter what. And, and to have this confidence that I could do it and that what I had to say mattered, you know. And so out of that, you know, I've written a book now and I have a podcast and I speak all the time and I coach my clients and I'm able to really speak into women's lives and share that story from this perspective that, you know, no matter what has happened to you in your past, that doesn't define who you are. You know, who you are is amazing and you can, you can, um, your past can keep you locked in this place of being a victim, the things that have happened to you, or you can own the story and realize that it's, it's just a part of your life. And let's see how it shaped you and how you can, you know, use that as a, a stage from which to share your life and your message instead of it holding you back behind the curtain, you know? So right, let me get this straight. Are you trying to tell me that, by seeking counseling through the, say, the dream or vision you had of Jesus wanting mm -hmm. to trim you up from mm -hmm. uh, the veg uh, from the vegetation to <laughs> prune you, to prune yeah. you, mm -hmm. okay? So you're trying to tell me from finally a year later of following what Jesus was trying to get you to do earlier, that the counseling and what you discovered with the date rape and everything, that you're Jeannie was finally uncorked <laughs> from your soul, and now you've opened up and found you, your voice, and ways you can help other people in your purpose. Yes, that's right. Uncork the genie from within <laughs> I love to that. allow you to do and express yourself. Yes. That's awesome. I'm glad that uh, I'm sorry <laughs> it took so long. Yeah. But I'm but I'm like you. I'd hate to think that I go the next. 50 years and mm. still not discover what's going on or yeah. it, of course by then you've you discovered there's more to do but i hate yeah. to think the next 50 you go okay so i discovered i'm supposed to be doing something but i still don't yeah. know what you know yeah yeah we, exactly and, and, yeah and so oh so i'm i'm glad that uh, and i'm glad your husband was wise enough to try to send you to counseling earlier but you were smarter than him and didn't want to listen <laughs> and finally yeah. woke up. And, and so I'm glad, to, I'm glad you finally did this. Yeah. It, it's awesome. That way you're going to help uh, plenty of women, men that are listening to learn to help other women. Yeah. And so this is, this is incredible. This is great. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. And again, we're speaking and talking with, she's giving a pre-launch. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think you said tomorrow. Yes. The book. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's the pre-launch. Yep. Take center stage. <laughs> Be the uh, star of your own story. I like that uh, title. Thank and, you. Uh, and the book and everything like that. So I like it, yeah. uh, Janelle. So, um, hey, now if there's a uh, one or two things that you, a woman was to come to you, uh, women, let's say more than one, uh, or if you're, say you're on a, a stage speaking, what mm -hmm. two big advice could you get them to help them get over what they've been through? And mm. um, just to, plug my little thing here you mentioned this about the past and everything i've got a little mini course and a book that i put together and it's called your past doesn't have a future but you do oh wow create I love that. your future today and i got a mini course go to professor perseverance.com 
and get your free mini course and an ebook PD in a PDF form, but you can get that free as well. All right. Nice. Now that I threw my little plug in. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, um, uh, say again, if you're in a, a woman's show talking about this mm-hmm. uh, in an event, and if you can give two advice for them, mm-hmm. what would it be? Wow. Well, I, the first one is what really happened to me was that I realized that I could say yes. So it, you have a choice. And a lot of times we feel like we don't, but you do. You have a choice mm-hmm. always. And the choice is always yours. Nobody can choose for you to say yes to yourself. And whatever that looks like for you. <clears throat> for me, it meant I needed to get some counseling and go back and uncover some stuff from my past. But for you, it could mean taking that next step of signing up for a class or, you know, going out and, you know, starting a business or, or, you know, getting on a podcast, it could be anything, but it's something that you really want to do. And you're fighting with yourself within thinking, well, how could I ever do that? I guarantee you, if you have a passion for it, it's meant for you to do. And usually our biggest fears and our biggest imposter stories come or inner critic stories come are to us around that thing that we were meant to do. It's like the very thing you're called to do is where the biggest uh, story comes in that you can't. And so it's really just say yes to you and believe in yourself. That's, that's number one. And I think the second one is that you have within you a treasure. Um, I remember hearing this question rolling around in my, in my, in my heart, for several weeks before I paid any attention to it. And it was, do you know how great you are? And I was like, what? Who am I? I'm not anything great. But it kept coming and it kept coming. And so I finally started paying attention to it. And I did this whole deep dive into how unique every person is. We are so unique, even from our eye patterns and our fingerprints and our hair and all the things that they can use to identify people is unique, right? Everything about you is unique, including your combination of strengths and talents and gifts, all the things that make you, you, your experiences, your perspective, your values, and it all makes you, you, nobody else can be you. And so whatever it is, that's that, you know, whatever it is that makes you, you is a great treasure and it's a gift and you're amazing. And if all you need to do is like uncover that treasure and begin to let it out and you will have a huge impact on the world. It may not be worldwide. It could be just your neighbors. It could be just your family. But you'll have a huge impact just by being you. So say yes to you and discover the treasure inside of you, of who you are. There you go. And we all are unique. Uh, we're as unique as a uh, snowflake, right? Yes, so exactly. This time of the year, snowflakes. Yeah. So, all right, tell you, uh, go ahead and, uh, Janelle, I appreciate those two pieces of advice uh, there to help people. If you can go ahead and uh, go ahead and talk about uh, your pre-launch, your uh, website, other social media, how people can find you. Absolutely. So Take Center Stage, Be the Star of Your Own Story. It is available on Amazon right now as a Kindle just for the next few days for the pre-launch for 99 cents. If you grab that, I would ask you to also leave a review because that helps the launch. So you can grab it, open it up on your device, read through maybe a couple chapters and go ahead and leave a review for me. And then on Friday, the paperback goes on sale 
at, on launch day, which is my daughter's birthday. And the book is dedicated to her. So this book is about, has my story in it, but it also has other stories. It follows a path, what I call the star process of how I came to be from a timid, traumatized woman to a confident woman out on center stage of my life, being the star of my own story. And I realized I went through this process and I mapped it out and it has exercises. So you can also get the workbook. You can download a free version of the workbook once you buy the actual book, or you can buy the workbook, the paper copy. So it takes you through all these exercises all through this journey of becoming the star of your own story. And I talk in there about forgiveness and I talk in there about waking up and saying yes to yourself. And I talk about uncovering the lies that you've been telling yourself for years. Most of us have some of those. And how to discover the real you, your strengths and your gifts, and how to begin to step into that place of releasing that to the world. So it's a self-improvement, self-development, transformational book, as, long, as well as having some of my own personal story in there. I like um, that you're again talking about the forgiveness in there. And mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of us don't realize when we're told in the Bible, we need to forgive yeah. people who have against us or who we perceive have done something wrong to us and we need to forgive them. Okay. But uh, we need to forgive ourselves as much as we forgive others. There's a lot of people forget that yeah. part, you yeah. know, I made a stupid mistake 40 years ago. I was a DUI. Now mm -hmm. I can't find a job. And do no, buddy, mm -hmm. you leave, you're holding on to the past, you know, yeah. grow up, move on, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, forgive yourself. We're all yep. goofy. We're all going to do something wrong. <laughs> and we're even as we get older, we're still going to do something wrong. Yeah. Forgive yourself. Try not to make the same mistake. Move forward. Yes. So, all right. Uh, your website, social media. Yes. So my website is emerginglifecoaching.com and uh, social media. My, I have a Facebook page called Emerging Life Coaching. I have a group that women can join called Women Emerging Fearlessly. And I have a podcast with the same name, which is actually going to be, we're going to start season two here pretty soon. We've been on a break. But it is a podcast all about stories. I love I love stories and I love to have women tell their stories. So um, a lot like yours, you know, how have you overcome things? How have you em emerged fearlessly, you know, uh, just to inspire women that they can do it too. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, you can find me there under Emerging Life Coaching or Janelle Anderson. And uh, definitely you know, go check out my book. And I have a, a, another book on Amazon. I wrote several years ago. If you want a journal, it's a prayer journal called come into my garden. So. All right. I awesome. That's it. Yeah. I think you've done great today and I appreciate <laughs> you. you sharing and, and giving us some inspiration and hope. Absolutely. The future is coming. Better things are ahead of us. I like to tell Absolutely. people, Two things. I'm sure all my other people are tired of hearing this, but uh, tell people when you know that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train coming, uh, <laughs> then then you know the good stuff is coming. And right. sometimes, and then the other one. I'm sorry, people. I know y'all tired of hearing this, but also <laughs> I say, I also say, I also sometimes in life we have to walk through the fertilizer 
to smell the roses. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, That's so, so true. Yes. You know, yes. so so sometimes we have mm-hmm. to. Uh, sometimes we don't. You know, someone gives us a nice rose and we don't have to mess with mm. it. But mm. we go through life and yeah. And it's yep. sad. Sad. There's some people go through more stuff uh, than other people. Some right. people are whoa, yeah, and some people are so minimal with things. But we all go through something, and so yep. um, that's true. All right, Janelle, appreciate you Thank being you. here, and I'll take your information on the social media and your website, and put it in Amazon and for your okay. books, and I'll put it in the show notes for people to make it easier to find. For other Wonderful. people that uh, coming in on the replay, share this out to someone you know that needs some help all right they don't have to be a uh an abusive relationship or um right. a, a sexually abused in college or later uh it's just the the message that you need to be you and grow mm-hmm. up and be better mm-hmm. and know that you are worth it okay yes. so it, it the message is still the same hey everyone else thank you for coming in thank you for uh, listening And, uh, hey, leave a five-star review for me and a little review so I know what's going on as well. All right. Thank you for everything. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.